Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Christian Reef Podcast. Now, before we get into today's topic, disclaimer, this is an 18 plus show. Um, there'll be a lot of topics that are quite mature content. So if you are under 18, go away. <laughs> Don't listen. Um, skip this one. Uh, I have put a, well, I think on YouTube, there's an ability to restrict these things anyway. I know there is on Spotify. I'm slowly figuring this out you know, three years in. Uh, but yeah, so that that's your warning. That's your disclaimer. I've, I've ticked the box. There you go. Now, today's guest is a podcaster, author, voiceover artist, and sex blogger. Her name is Ruan Willow. Welcome to the show. Did I get that right? Ruan Willow. Yeah. Thank oh, you nearly. so much for having me. <laughs> that's the, nice that's to- the only thing that I forgot to ask you. God damn it. Before we started, <laughs> I was like, Ruan. Okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. You All right. It. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for agreeing to do the show. I really, really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I got about a million questions to ask you. So I thought I would just kind of start from the top like I normally do. So how did you actually get into writing erotic fiction? Well, I most of my life I just wrote fiction and nonfiction. And in about 2016, I really decided I really wanted to devote more time to writing. So I started to write romance which was actually more clean romance. It was YA romance, which is like teenagers. And I wrote several books there and I got a publisher publishing those. And then I decided, I just felt like there was something missing in the stories and I wanted to write about adults. And so I decided I really wanted to have sex involved because to me, a relationship for adults has sex. So it was like more realistic. It was more real to life. And it was important to me, I thought, to have that sex be a part of the story. And so I started, actually started on Twitter. I created a, on a total whim, I created a Twitter account and started to post erotic little snippets and little stories. And it grew into a website. And then it grew into me starting to do the podcast, which people kept asking me to do a podcast saying, you should do a podcast. And then it grew into me doing voiceover work and starting to do publish erotica. So it's just been this amazing journey. And, and that's kind of how it went from one thing to the next. And I, I'm really having a blast. I love it. I've learned so much doing my podcast too. It's been an unbelievable growth journey for me. Yeah, your podcast is, uh, <laughs> it's called Oh Fuck Yeah. Um, i'm gonna laugh a lot through this show guys um because i don't i don't normally talk about these things so um but i i i I, do you know what like i in all seriousness there's a lot that i want to explore this because i think it's healthy to talk about these things but i'm Mm -hmm. kind of fascinated from the like psychological perspective you know um particularly when it comes to like the taboo about this because i think that we're like still getting more and more and more comfortable talking about these things but there's still that little bit of like oh you do that kind of attitude you know Mm -hmm. every now and again and i mean there shouldn't be and i think it's good to question that but it is interesting you know what i'm saying like i've got friends that do similar content too and Mm -hmm. i just have like a bazillion questions i always want to ask because i'm just fascinated (laughs) with like the concept of it uh, but yeah, walk us through a little bit this this podcast. Oh fuck yeah! In terms of like what it's about, what it covers, and why people should listen to it. Well, I believe very strongly that sexual health is a part of your mental health. It's very important, and people 
like you said, it's very, especially in the United States, people are very prudish. And so sexuality kind of gets ignored. It gets left behind. And so doing this kind of content gives people a safer place because it is so taboo in a lot of places to explore their sexuality, to maybe listen to a story where they could maybe be like, oh, wait a minute, that turns me on. And then maybe explore that in their own relationships with their people that they're having sex with in intimacy. So I think it's really amazing to be able to do that. So in my podcast, I focus on things that help people have better sex. And that includes having experts on. I have doctors. I have therapists. I have coaches. I have personalities, people who are very strong personalities in the sexuality field. And I create erotica because that is a place for our brains to go to and enjoy and explore. That is a more safe place to do it rather than, you know, just doing it out in the world. It's another way to bring up with your partner. Hey, let's listen to this together. And you can kind of assess, hmm, what'd you think of that? So it's kind of like bringing up ideas. Like say you see a podcast episode about a particular thing, particular kink that you like and want to explore, but you don't want to like go to your partner and be like, hey, do you want to do this? And like put them on the spot. But if you sit and listen to a story together, it can be foreplay. It can be a, a starting point of conversation. Be like, hey, what'd you think of that? So it's such a tool. And I have a lot of coaches that I talk to, sex and relationship coaches that totally try to advertise to their clients, hey, participate in erotica because it is going to help you open up your sexuality mm. in your relationship. I mean, it really is a, it's a tool for people. And it, you're right. It's not necessarily out in front of everybody, but it's there. And we need to get rid of this taboo because we were, we were given these organs for a reason, to enjoy our bodies, not to ignore them. You weren't given taste buds to not taste food, right? That's ridiculous. We were given sexual organs to enjoy our bodies, period. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, one, thing, <laughs> one thing I wanted to explore that you said at the top of that, which I find really interesting, is this idea the sexual health is tied with mental health can you just sort of explore that a little bit for us because I, I think I know where you're you're coming at with that and certainly I think that obviously there's there's the scientific angle that you know you, it releases endorphins when you mm. <clears throat> uh you know reach a I, I'm just so awkward with this um <laughs> When you enjoy yourself to the fullest, let's put it that way, um, yes. <laughs> it will release endorphins and everything is great. Um, and, you know, there's the jokes in society about a person who, you know, when they're looking particularly positive and and stuff, people will be like, oh, well, you know, they're dating this person and everything's going great. And then there's these, do you know what I mean? Like, but but there's there's some truth in that, that, you know, and equally, if, if you're single, if things aren't um, as great, or you, you know you're alone like there, there's that element to and how that can affect it. and I think that um I'll say this a couple of things so I think any healthy relationship should have a healthy sex life just by yes. definition um I feel like they're, they're kind of like they work like yin and yang in a sense you know you can't have a relationship that's just purely based on sex but the the actual connection is terrible but equally you can't have like a really really great relationship but there's a, there's no healthy sex life like i think they work kind of in tandem and they're intrinsically linked they're tight so obviously the closer the bond and the more you pay attention to that likely that's going to help with with in the bedroom and stuff um 
Not always, though. I've I've heard I've met people over the years that you know have this issue where they have a wonderful relationship, everything's great, but mm-hmm. like in the bedroom yeah. for whatever reason, it's not doing it. And it's like that's really interesting to me. Um, but I do think it comes down to how you connect with that person and the um, how can I put this like the the feelings and the vibes and and the uh, chemistry. I think uh, maybe people don't always pay enough attention to that. You know, like I was having a conversation with someone the other day about this, this idea that um, it's very easy to like be, lose yourself in your own mind when you're trying to do that. Like you're focused too yes. much. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. On like, it's almost like a science experiment. It's like, it's never going to be good. Mm-hmm. And like, here's a bit of advice for you guys. <laughs> if you want to like really enjoy it, uh, I can't believe I'm talking about this. Sorry, but I'm. I think. I, do you know what? Like when I figured, like I was having you on the show. I'm like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go all in. So here we are. Yeah. I yeah. may. I never, never talk about these things again. So here we go. <laughs> uh, if you're going to go all in, guys, you got to go all in. Like if you're going to have a good <laughs> connection with someone in the bedroom, you've kind of got to like learn to like lose yourself in that moment and that person and everything there you can't be thinking like are they enjoying it do they like this do they like that is this going to work like just forget about that you know you're not 15 anymore trying to figure out life and the birds and the bees and everything right you're an adult and you know you're going to need to to sort of let go and just be there with that person and see it as like a maybe even like a spiritual thing you know and I feel like that's when it will be at its best. Now I've digressed a lot here, um, <laughs> so we can we can return to the the mental health thing in a second. But I just want to get your thoughts on what I just said there, because obviously, yeah, it's not all about me; it's about you. So tell me. <laughs> well, a hundred percent. You need then what I've had several coaches and some professors on sexuality professors. What they call that is is being in your head. You need to get out of your head when you're being intimate. And you need to be more in the moment. Get out of your head and be in your body. Mm -hmm. Feel things. Live in the moment. React. If you're sitting there thinking, oh, does she like this? Oh, oh, wait, I forgot to take off the garbage. Oh, oh, she's she doesn't like this particular thing. If you if you are not living in the moment and reading your partner, you are missing out and you're in your head and you're going to get stepped up. You know, you're going to get those, you're going to hit those roadblocks. So we need to practice being more in the moment, being more embodied, get out of our heads and stop analyzing and enjoy. It's kind of like a dance. It's like flirting. It's in the moment, what's happening. Let's do this and react to each other and not like try to plan it out in our heads and get, get stuck in our heads, basically. Exactly. I think there's a pressure from society, you know. I think like mm-hmm. there's there's yeah. this idea that like everything has to be a contest and like yeah yeah you know, I don't want to go into specifics but you know there, there's all like these <laughs> you know like oh it's got to be like this it has to be like this you know if you if you can't you know reach this level then you're not a real person blah 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 and it's like it's all nonsense it's right. the, th- the thing you need to focus on is finding the right type of person someone mm-hmm. who doesn't think like that and is more concerned with the connection and, and having a good time and, and that chemistry and everything that's when it's going to be at its best but there is that kind of you know society propagates that a little bit and has done over it does. the years and it's awful because mm-hmm. it's like it doesn't doesn't equate to anything it's it's just like you know that represents like maybe like five percent of 
people that actually think that way. Like most people just want to be loved and feel a connection, you know? Right, right. And I think if you focus on the pleasure and the interaction together and the intimacy rather than we need to reach X or we need to reach Y, we need to climax. I mean, it's not, you know, realize that pleasure, focusing on pleasure and pleasure can be anything from a caress to full climax. And all of those things are good in that moment and, and ignoring that and saying it's not good if you're you're losing a lot out there you're not you're not paying attention to all the savoring savoring is a good word savor savor even the caress the moments together you know still can't believe i'm talking about this let's <laughs> <laughs> well, see and i talk about this all the time so it's like no oh, i know i know and you're very well spoken and it's all great it's, for me this is like foreign territory um but i'm yeah i want to i want to give it the the full on justice it deserves as far as like a proper topic because i think it does deserve it um Mm -hmm. let's bring it back to the mental health angle because i sort of took us away and now i want to sort of bring it back so talk to us more about the connection between mental health and sexual health well yeah and i think that our societies our cultures many of them separate sexuality from mental health. They're like, oh, that doesn't matter. And it totally matters. First of all, the very basic primal thing is climaxing is a stress reliever. It, Like you said, it brings all these hormones, these feel-good hormones to our bodies to help us feel better. It is going to be a stress reduction. It's a natural sleep aid. It creates the love hormones that help you connect with your partner. So all of these things are super important and we like to sort of lump it somewhere else because it's sex, it, it's somewhere else, it goes over here. But really, it's integral to our entire mental health and it really gets ignored. I think it's getting better where more people are paying attention to that, but it's also ignored from doctors. I mean, I just was talking with a doctor on my podcast and even he says, you know, our med- our medical system is messed up because Doctors don't talk to people about their sexuality. They don't bring it up. It's somehow separate. And so even he sees it and he's an actual doctor. He's like 70 years old. He's like, it's just all messed up. And so it doesn't get addressed. And it is part of our whole problem of how our culture views sex and sexuality. But if we ignore it, we're missing an entire chunk of our mental health in our lives because it is integral to how we feel, how we react to our partners in general well-being, if not, you know, just feeling the pleasure. I mean, it's just the focus is just so off in in our society. And it's just, it's kind of sad to watch, honestly. And I, I think it comes and it stems very, very specifically from our poor sex education of young people. And it sucks and it's horrid. Oh my God. All right. I was going to just explore that topic a little bit more but like we can come back to that but i just got to talk about sex education for a second because oh my god like Uh i don't don't know about what yours was like but like mine worst ever like just oh yeah like i i learned everything um by asking my parents and by just learning through you know the internet experimentation etc you know Uh experience mostly but like school was just dreadful like yes. I remember, I remember in primary school. Um, <laughs> the- <laughs> I never forget they showed us a video um, of like two cartoons, and they said, <laughs> "Sex is when a mother and a father hug each other intimately." 
and, oh, and make love. Right. And then obviously we were all pretty self-aware kids. So we would, ju- we just found it really funny. And then I remember like playing as a kid and like hugging all the other kids and being like, ha, ah, we're having sex. Ah. Like, cause <laughs> it's just like, it was ridiculous. Like we all knew yes. that that was just nonsensical. And then uh-huh. when I get, in, when I get into senior school, now this is interesting because we were kind of weirdly split up. Like, I mean, we did have mixed classes, but Mm -hmm. I remember that like we were taught nothing about like female sexual health and female sexual organs. Like I didn't learn about any of that. Like like, I had to like look that stuff up. I knew nothing about that. Like for instance, something like menstruation, like it just wasn't taught. Which, all right, fair enough. It doesn't apply to me specifically, but I think it's good to know. Yes. So I understand you know, women better and and reproduction for Pete's sake, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Like all I remember that stood out from high school sex education was that the teacher one time put a condom on a banana and was like demonstrating (laughs) how to do that. And everyone Uh just felt really awkward and we were all just like, why are you doing that? And and that was sex education. It was just just the shits. But what was yours like? (laughs) Yeah, I was very similar. I mean, basically, yeah, like it focused on reproduction for for us girls. I did talk about menstruation. But, you know, what I found crazy, and this still bugs me, is that they basically ignored the female sex organ of clitoris. Like I didn't even hear that word until I was well into my adulthood. But of course, I heard the word penis. So the fact that they actually ignore the clitoris, which is basically the equivalent in the female of the male penis, it completely wasn't even mentioned. And I didn't even know what it looked like. And, and most people still don't know what it looks like until I was, you know, maybe a few years ago when I started doing all of this sexuality stuff. I didn't even know what an internal clitoris looked like. Maybe you don't know either, but it's it's something that's ridiculous and it's been cut out of our, it's starting to come back into our medical textbooks and they're starting to pay more attention to it. But the pleasure piece, they don't even talk about that in, in sex ed. They don't talk about relationships. They talk a little bit about consent, but it's more from the angle of assault instead of mm. consent can be fun. It can be sexy. Hey, let's talk about what we're going to do together. So that's the problem. They come at it from consent, meaning don't assault someone. Well, how about consent being sexy of talking about, hey, you and your partner decide, hey, let's try this particular kink together. And you negotiate, hey, that sounds great, but I don't want to do X, but I'll do Y. You know, it's, it's just a, it's a tragedy of how they treat sexuality. Another thing as well that they don't really push with the whole consent angle is this idea that you can kind of change your mind at any moment. Yeah, like even just sort of like in the midst of it, you can change 100%. your mind and your yeah, mm-hmm. right. And I've had that in in the past, and it's like it's fine, you know. Yeah, it can be a right. little bit frustrating, but like just get over yourself. Mm-hmm. Like it's fine. Right. At the end of the like, how would do you really want it? Do you really want to be doing that, and the other person's not into it? Like, come on, man. Like it's right. It's and and but this I think connects to a wider point about how healthy good sex will be all about mood and chemistry and vibe if one yes. person's not into it you're not gonna have that like it's nope. you know what i'm saying so it's it's like yes as you said you can introduce this as a positive thing as well and and kind of plant the seed in people's minds that like hey focus more on connection and chemistry and vibe and less on 
you know the the details so to speak like you know like oh am i doing this right am i doing that right like you know um it should be all about like whether you're into each other you know are you digging it mm-hmm. it's are you in love you know I, mean, I think like relationships are better for that and that's why that tends to be better than say like just promiscuity and and just you know falling around like I, i'm not saying that that's like that can't be fun but like i think by comparison it's not quite the same from a connection standpoint you know Right, right. And I think too, you might have an idea in your head and be like, oh, that sounds really sexy. But then when you're actually doing it, you might want to pull your consent because the actual doing of it is not what you had in your head. I'm like, wait a minute, I, I changed my mind. I don't like this. And so you need to learn to respect your partner putting that boundary out there. And it doesn't mean that you couldn't revisit it in a different way, but they've hit a wall and you need to respect that. And so that's the thing that's also ignored in consent. Like you said, it needs to be moment to moment. And just because someone liked something the last time doesn't mean they're going to like it this time. It consent, it's fluid and it needs to be given constantly. It's not, I give you permission to do this and forever more you can do that, yeah. to me, you know? Yeah, no, there's, I think that kind of comes back to the whole concept of like ownership because mm-hmm. often in a relationship, it's quite easy to forget that you are still two individuals. Like you are exactly. coming, you know what I'm saying? Like you come together yes, and it's a partnership and stuff, but you are still two different people and you're still your own person. Yes. Right. And it's very easy to t- take things for granted, like expect mm-hmm. things like, oh, well, you know, we always do this. And it's like, well, maybe not. Like maybe, right. Right. like I like this idea of, for example, with love, you know, if you're in love with someone, the journey never stops in pursuing them like just because right. you're together doesn't mean like yes. you know you still 100%. have to win you still have to win them over all the time romance yes romance right, and if, right. But, people but, get out of that phase that's the problem yeah but it's, it's not just about grandiose um displays of affection because i think like that people can often think like oh what have i got like you know constantly up the ante no you just got to show that you care yes <laughs> you gotta just be totally. like invested like be empathetic you know be spontaneous be creative you know like just 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 show that you care that you're invested and you know i think the same is true with sex you know it's it's yeah it's that kind of like seeking things together finding out things together learning together um you know i was talking to someone about this the other day like it gets better (laughs) just like anything else in life (laughs) <laughs> the more you do it with said person because yep. you're learning each other, you're getting more comfortable mm-hmm. with each other, and then inevitably it's going to be better because of those things. But it's... um. But you have to be honest. If you're sure. not being honest with that person, then that's not going to happen. So that in comes into also where so many people have a hard time talking about sex with each other. Like some couples, some some couples I know and people talk to me all the time, like one partner refuses to talk about sex, about their sex life. And it's like, how can you do that act for that person, but you won't talk about it? So that's a block too. And I think that comes from culture where people, you know, again, the whole prudishness, it's hard to talk about sex, but you should be able to talk about the person, about sex with the person you're having sex with. Here's where I disagree with you. So okay. <laughs> I agree. I agree with the concept of of like, you know, it should be the sort of thing that people should feel comfortable being able to talk about. I agree with that. However, yep. um, I don't think that it necessarily makes you prudish 
to not want to talk about it. For example, I'm a fiercely private person. Um, mm-hmm. I don't I don't talk about my private life. Um, I I share stories from my life. I share little things here and there that I'm comfortable sharing. But there's mm-hmm. a lot that I will never talk about. Sure. For safety reasons. And also just because I think you should have a private life. And one of oh, the things. Oh, for sure. For sure. One of the things is I'm not comfortable talking about that sex life um, with anyone. Uh, I'll talk about it with like with my partner, obviously. But yeah, like, that's I'll, what I meant. I actually you, meant communication between okay, partners, right, sorry, not yeah. necessarily. Yeah, yeah. But, do you know yeah, what I'm saying? Like, I wouldn't, life. I wouldn't sit there at the dinner table and be like, "Oh yeah, I want to do this, I want to do that." Like, I just, right? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm quite old fashioned in that regard. But at the sure. same time, no, like, I, I get that. I don't hold it against people that want to. Um, right. Mm-hmm. You sure. know, that's that's cool. It's just I think that you should. Like everyone's got a different view on like how they feel comfortable talking about these things, you know. Like yeah. I remember mm-hmm. one one time about three years ago when I first started this show and I was looking to promote myself on other shows, mm-hmm. I was going to appear on a podcast to talk about my sex life, and at oh, the okay. last minute I pulled out, huh? And <laughs> <laughs> and I just realized, like, yeah, I can't talk about this. Um, sure. And I, I wrote them a, an email and I said, hey, listen, I'm really sorry. I, I just, I can't do this. I don't feel comfortable. And they were really cool about it. They're like, yeah, we know, we understand. That's that's totally cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one, that, because I'm, I'm a very open person. Like, I'm quite a laid back, chill guy. But for some reason on that, I'm just not comfortable talking about it. And I, I don't know where that comes from. Um, I think maybe it's just a personality thing, but, you know, it's there and and i've noticed that you know other people i've met over the years have felt the same um but then i've also met people that are like super comfortable talking about it but i don't right. know there's this like argument though i remember one time telling someone that wasn't comfortable and then they took that as like a red flag they're like oh there's something wrong with you and i'm oh, like oh yeah mm-hmm. i don't know that that makes me that there's a red flag if i don't want to talk about because it, it could be anything as well not just sex but like anything in life like yeah, you know, like yeah. I, I don't think it's sensible to for instance discuss your finances like your, your specifics right. with with random people uh or people you know yep, even yep. you know just right. sim- similar thing yes. um but yeah anyway moving it on uh, i want to kind of return to the i've got some questions regarding the erotic fiction and content that i want to just explore sure. with you so what would you say is the most challenging aspect of writing and creating erotic content um having the right amount of story in there because there's people it's it's hard because erotica really is categorized as a gradient so you've got your smut on one end which is more like porn like it's more focusing on the actual scene of sex then you've got erotica which is kind of you know having more story in there and then you've got erotic romance which is getting closer up to the regular romance area of the gradient and that's going to have more story. And you're going to run into people who want different levels of story in the erotica. And what's interesting to me is to see how some people will review the same exact work. And some will say, oh, great story. I love that. I love that mix with that storyline and with the sex. The next person will say, there's no plot. So it's interesting to me to see the different levels that people want to see of story in erotica. And it's, it's different because I write in other genres too. Erotica is like in its own separate category and people view it differently. And it's very, very odd, but it's probably because it is about sex. But to me, it's so interesting to see how people 
like different levels. And I've written everything from smut all the way up to erotic romance and even clean romance, like the, the YA romance I've written. So I've written all across the gradient and I have books across the gradient. And, you know, I enjoy writing all of it, to be honest. <laughs> all of them are fun in their own way. But I do love to have I do love to have the sex in some way in the storyline because to me it's just more realistic to, to romance and relationships and, and life. One thing I'm interested in is like, how, how do you approach like writing a character, say thinking about sex in that manner? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, cause I think when you're thinking about thoughts conceptually in general, you know, you don't necessarily, I mean, some people might have that opening dialogue in their head. Like I'm thinking this and thinking mm -hmm. that about this specific thing, but I feel like many right. of us as well also just have like a, a quick that's hot. But like not, there's nothing mm -hmm. to expand upon there. It's just quick flashes. Do you know what I'm saying? So like, how do you mm -hmm. kind of approach that and then bring that to life in in a narrative? Well, I guess it depends if you're writing in first person, if sure. you're writing in present tense or past tense. So you can explore their immediate thoughts like they're having at that moment when you're writing in present tense. If you're writing in past tense, you can think, you can add in things about what they've thought in the past, what they've done in the past. It's just, it's a different, I mean, you still could do it in present tense, but I think it, it to me, it really depends on, it's like, for instance, say you're writing in present tense you're going to write how they're reacting to everything they're seeing. And you may add in a little bit about how they, they thought that was hot, but you're going to focus more on how they're reacting in that particular scene rather than what's all the stuff backstory in their head because you're in the moment. It's present tense, right? And it's supposed to be like being laid out in front of you like you're watching a movie. Sure. So there's difference in that way. And, but um, when you're writing past tense, you're going to, you might have more backstory and you're going to have them maybe thinking about maybe uh, something they did in the past. Um, not that you can't have flashbacks in present tense, but it's just sort of different in the way you approach it and have the character be thinking about sex. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I'm not sure how you'll react to this question. <laughs> what are some of the sort of weirdest or most unusual requests for content you've received? Um. Well, I recently just received a request to do a cuckold story, and I did do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Interesting. Um, you know, because there are people that are into that. So that was something I had, I had only done a couple of podcast episodes about that. And so I totally fleshed out that story. And I, a lot of people reacted to it and liked it. So, you know, I've kind of done stuff all across the 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 genre. Mm -hmm. I haven't really done, I've done um, a lesbian stories, but I have not done gay men's stories. And I don't mm -hmm. know that I ever will. I know there are women who write that. Actually, that's actually, strangely, that is a predominant sex of male, male erotica is actually women, which is just hmm. kind of mind blowing if you think about it. But I don't know that I would ever write that. I, to me, I, I would find it a little bit harder to get into that headspace mm -hmm. because I'm not a man. Like, not that I can't write from a male perspective. I tend to do better from a female perspective for my characters. No, I tend to do that as in first person would be female, but I don't know. I don't know that I would write that, but um, I don't know. Did I answer your question or did I miss it? I, no, <laughs> I no, 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 absolutely. <laughs> um, I just want to follow up on this as well. Um, so given that you're doing quite uh, mature content, um, you're probably receiving a lot of weird messages. I mean, I know women in general just get weird messages, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, 
So I guess this is kind of a twofold question. What are some of the weirdest messages you've received? And also, how do you kind of keep the creeps at bay, so to speak? <laughs> well, yeah, I often definitely get propositions. I get pictures. Sure. I get videos. And I think I get less than I used to. And I'm not really sure why that is. But um, mm. I just basically either, you know, if, if it's something I don't want, I just basically ignore it or I just don't respond. Mm. Um <laughs> those are ways to deal with it but yeah I definitely get comments and but but I also do post myself in you know sexy images um things like that too so it doesn't really bother me when people do that I just decide how I'm going to handle it but I, I'm not like one of these women where like get really pissed off and then immediately block that person because I don't think that that is conducive. This person is maybe reaching out, they're trying to explore their sexuality. Maybe they're crossing a boundary, but I am not going to like shut them down and put them in a different area just because they're exploring their sexuality. Like I'm not that kind of a judgmental person, I guess. And so I don't know, I guess it just doesn't really bother me when that happens. I just deal with it case by case and whatever it is, I really don't get offended. Sure, but you do have to like draw the line somewhere, don't you? As oh, far as, like, for what's... sure. Yeah, like I, I just can ignore it. You know, I mean, it doesn't hurt me. I just ignore it. You know, if it's if it's something really offensive, like I'm going to track you down and do something to you like that's different. That sounds that's aggressive, you know, so then that mm. person I might end up blocking. I did have a couple of people that would do that. We're trying to find me, which was right. a little bit disconcerting, um, not to say the least, for sure, to think that someone might try to actually track me down like that's creepy. So there's, there's a couple of things actually tied to this, because obviously, as our viewers can see, we can't see your face. So you, you mm -hmm. keep your identity hidden. Uh, pr presumably, is that your real name or, or is it a pseudonym? It's a pen name. Pen, mm -hmm. I yeah, because I write right. under my real yeah. name, too. So ah. that's why I keep it separate, because I also write under my real name. And the, the YA books I have are under my real name. And I have a website that is very clean under mm -hmm. my real name. And I have other books too. So that's why I keep it separate because I don't, they don't mesh. And the way our, our culture views sexuality, people be get, might get angry and might not want to work with me. So I keep them separate. Mm. Given that you've used your real name for certain endeavors, do you, do you not get concerned sometimes from the security safety element? Because obviously you've done put certain efforts in place to protect yourself on one side, but on the other side, mm -hmm. it leaves you somewhat exposed. I'm just curious to explore that a little bit. Yeah, it, that's definitely happened on that side as well. But you know, anybody who wants to create content, anybody who is in the public eye, you're going to get that. And mm. to not do that content because you're afraid of that happening, is you're selling yourself short. You're, you can't not do something because you're afraid of what someone else is going to do. Because then you're not doing your dream. You're not doing your creating. You're not creating a content you want to create because you're afraid. And I refuse to live my life afraid. If I want to create content, I'm going to do it. Did not agree more. Got some sort of questions in general about erotica. Um, what would you say in general is the appeal of erotic fiction? I think that people really like to immerse themselves into sexual situations. To me, it's a more fuller picture of relationships and stories. And people can really immerse themselves into erotica, whether it be reading a book or listening in a different way than they would if they were, say, watching it. Mm. So you get more immersed when you're reading or listening to something in a different way than, like, say, watching a porn video or an adult film. You're going to be 
in a different way. You can also explore different levels of your sexuality. Now, you may have areas of your sexuality that turn you on, but you may never want to do them, right? Everyone has that. It may be something that you don't want to admit, even admit to, it others, admit to others, but you could explore that by reading, sex, reading erotica. You can sort of like experience that particular kink privately and not actually doing it. So that appeal is there. And some people just, they love to get that brain arousal when they're reading two people getting together. I mean, they just love to go through the motions of that. So I think it's, I think it's a healthy thing to allow our brains to do that if we want to do that. And maybe we want to explore it in real life. Maybe we don't. It's no different than wanting to read horror and want to be scared. It's no different than wanting to read science fiction and being wowed. You know, it's the same thing. It's just in a different area. It's related to arousal and sexuality. So people treat erotica in this separate category, but it's really not. It's just a different level of category of fiction. Erotica is typically popular with women. Yeah, tends to be more with women. Mm -hmm. And from what I've read and sort of understood about this, it's largely because women are quite into literature and, and like the storytelling element. Mm -hmm. And, and yes. for women, it's more like the... For, for men, typically, it will be more like the visual mm -hmm. stimuli, but for women, it tends to be more... Yeah, the story, the the feeling, the emotions, everything connected. Again, mm -hmm. not I am generalizing here. It's not right always a hundred percent that, but generally speaking, and that kind of logically explains why more women tend to be into erotica. But I wanted to kind of explore, mm -hmm. like, is it at all appealing for men? Is there uh, mm -hmm. a, an appeal there? Like, can you explore that a little bit with us? Oh yes, I absolutely have many men who like to read my work and listen to my audiobooks and my podcast. So, you know, I think overall it does tend to be more women, but there's a lot of men who love it too. And I, I am in a network of a lot of erotica authors and they have the same thing. They have a mixed audience to mixed fan base of men and women. So even though it may be a little bit more heavy on the female side, there are many men that enjoy it too. And I find too, I think there's a lot of men who like the audio version, you know, maybe a little bit more than the reading. Not 100% though, because I have tons of reviewers and fans who are men. But I think you're right. It's, you know, women tend to like the story a little bit more. They, they kind of want that. And that's kind of just indicative to the difference between men and women in some ways. Sure. Um, I want to kind of explore your, your voiceover stuff. So mm -hmm. what's your approach to voiceover narration for erotic stories? Like, do you have to kind of get in the mood, so to speak, or can you kind of delve straight into it? Like, talk us through that. Oh, yeah, I totally can just dive right into it. In fact, on my podcast, I often do what I call erotic improv, which I just create a story right off the top of my head. So it's like I'm, I'm spinning out a fantasy. I am often don't have much to begin with. I'll have, you know, the characters, maybe what they look like, and maybe one particular sex scene they're going to do, and I'll just spin a story. And I've done this multiple times on my podcast. And for me, it's easy to just dive right into it and act it out. And I've done many different things. I've done anything from BDSM all the way up to more romantic thing. And I just, I love to act them all out. I've done really darker erotica voiceover work. And I've done really unusual. Have you ever heard of the, the giantess erotica, the size erotica? 
this is a whole this is a whole fetish i mean there's giant websites devoted to this this giant test there's one particular author that i have narrated a fair amount for her name is amber collins and she writes prolifically about this size erotica and it's size change like for instance the woman may grow to 300 feet uh somebody might shrink and so they're having (laughs) sex relations all these different scenarios and they're growing and shrinking so it's growing and shrinking size erotica macrophilia and microphilia and like it is a total fetish that is out there so i do that and then you know i just i don't i i enjoy acting out every everything that i've done and i've done multiple different storylines and i just i really get into it i enjoy it it's just really fun for me and it's not hard to just dive right in i just i don't even read what i'm going to narrate first i do it just as i'm narrating it i'm reading it for the first time and for me that is more authentic and i may need to redo lines do editing but for me that's how i do it and it works this yeah it's brilliant um you certainly have the voice for it but it's just I I just I did kind of wonder like if, if it's I mean uh, Ayla, applause to you for being able to sort of delve right straight into it. Like I, <laughs> I don't know. I think for for me I'd be awkward. I'd be very very awkward. Like I I've turned down work like related to that field because you know sure. I'd read I'd read the sides and I just couldn't imagine saying it. <laughs> I, like I, I try I tried like I tried to kind yeah, of yeah. just visualize it and and I just I couldn't take it seriously. I was like nah. <laughs> but at least I tried. I don't know. It's it's one yeah, of those things. Yeah. So I applaud. Not it. everybody can do it. That's just it. You know, and I hire some narrators too and I've even had narrators say, I don't know if I can do this part, you know, and I'm like, okay, how about this part? And so for me, I can do, I have not run across a part that I couldn't do. Hmm. Fair enough. Well, there you go. Let's talk a little bit about the sex blogging side of things. So what does that exactly involve and how does it differ to the rest of your content? I like to do that too. And that's like more of a nonfiction genre area of of writing and i like to do anything from talking about how sex toys are are very influential and beneficial alone and with your partner so i like to do reviews of those i like to talk about different things like relationships like why you should maybe talk dirty or maybe why you should explore doing different sexuality things how to get your partner interested in trying different kinky things i even did a post one time about how how can you incorporate travel in your sexuality? Like, what should you pack? How should you pack these things? Should you bring sex toys? How would you pack them? Where would you put them? You know, like, uh, would you bring lingerie? What would you bring to help bring your sexuality with you on your trip? Like, so those are some of the things that I like to do and, and talking about, you know, sex blogging. And it's mostly nonfiction stuff. Or I'll do book reviews. I've done book reviews of other erotica authors as well. When I go, I go ask then, what's the perfect travel kit for sex in mind on the go? <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on if you want to bring sex toys or not. Like I'm a big sex toy connoisseur and promoter because it really just brings different levels to your pleasure, to your relationship. And so I talk about how to, how do you package that up? Like, you know, I think you should wrap them up in bubble wrap and protect them because you never know. Some people will even bring them on the plane because they don't want someone to steal them, you know, which I can understand that. That's a personal product that you don't maybe want people, the chance of people touching, right? You know, so, you know, and bringing lube, that kind of stuff. And like, bring your sexuality with you. Bring your gear with you because 
that is one of the best places to have sex with your partner because you don't have all this other life crap going on. You don't have, oh, we need to clean the house. Oh, we need to go grocery shopping. Oh, we need to pay bills. That is a time when you can really focus on each other. So to me, that's a really huge thing to, you can't forget to bring that stuff. You need to use that time to the utmost. I love that quote as well that you just sort of coined there. Like, bring your sexuality with you. That's such a cool kind of concept in general for life, right. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, let's let's kind of explore some of the things that we explored earlier in a little bit more detail. So how do you approach promoting sex positive views and opinions throughout your various platforms? Oh, that's definitely a challenge because a lot of these platforms are sex negative and mm. it's, there's a total double standard, which is horrible. All these companies they can put pictures of women in lingerie to sell it. But someone like me or a, a coach, for instance, if they put themselves in lingerie, they're held to different standards and might even get their account shut down. Never so, thought about that. Yeah, that's such oh, a good point. Yeah, sorry, I mean, go seriously, on. I mean, seriously, even if you look on like Amazon, look at the images of, yeah. of underwear for women or, and men too. So it's like there's a double standard out there. Companies can use sex to sell and it's legit and these platforms are okay with it. But if you're doing it from a different standpoint, I've even had sex ed people on my podcast writing self-help relationships where books where the platforms botch them and they don't let them advertise. I'm like, these people are trying to teach others how to have better relationships. And a lot of these platforms just shut them down. For instance, we cannot advertise on Amazon. You know, you can't purchase ads on Amazon, if you're writing erotica or even sex ed books and relationships, I have a dude that came on and his book is all about how to have a better relationship with your partner. And he can't even advertise. However, I do want to say, I do know one author who is on a task force associated on Amazon where they're considering allowing us to buy ads. And what really bothers me about this is There's no reason why Amazon couldn't funnel it down and have people check off, I want to hear about sex or explicit stuff or relationships. They can do a checkbox. They could advertise to people who are already buying the content. They can funnel it. They can funnel it to the right people. Instead, right now, it's just a flat out, nope, you write erotica, you write about sex in any way, shape, or form, you cannot buy ads. So that's a challenge. I have been kicked off of YouTube three times. This is my fourth channel. Because they, and, and I honestly think it comes from people who, who um, complain. Mm. Because I, my first channel I had on there, I had 50,000 listens. 50,000. And they decided to ax me. What so now reason I'm on my was fourth, given specifically? Um, because it was about sexuality. But do you know how much sexuality is on YouTube? There's oh, tons of sex on it. Yeah. I mean, it's all over the place. So why am I different all of a sudden? To me, it's because someone someone reported. Okay. And that's sad because why do, you, why do you have to get in that lane? If you don't like it, just don't participate, but don't ruin it for everybody else. I do find, like, just speak to the double standards aspect of things. Mm-hmm. I see this a lot. Like, I have friends, content creators who create explicit content on various mm-hmm. platforms, and they'll often get banned on say like let's use TikTok as an example because uh, oh, TikTok's I, awful. For I this. love yeah. I love to pile on them for this because just 
oh there's i could go on all day about how terrible tiktok is i it's good <laughs> it's good for the reach and i use it and i i i do what i can with it but mm. oh my god is it a hypocritical platform oh so, my gosh yes like, my live streams and how i create content is very you know i would say <sighs> somewhat pretty much family friendly you know i i, I mm. even limit the amount of swear words i make uh anytime sure. that i've done a podcast for example and it's been over 18 i put the disclaimer thing there on youtube it's flagged as being 18 plus all my content mm-hmm. um yep. when it's first because i found you can do this on spotify on apple Podcasts, etc you can put it as explicit so yeah. like this episode mm-hmm. will be that like i put all the measures in yep. place that you can to protect because you have to think about yes. you know the fact that there's minors and the fact that there's yeah horrible mm-hmm. people and stuff you gotta think about these things because i tell you what the apps don't and they <laughs> they've banned me like I, I told the story the other day but i'll tell it here like i got banned on my original tiktok account my my main account uh indefinitely for live streaming and mm. all I did was talk about advertising, specifically uh, I mentioned Pornhub and I yeah. said that they had done a, like an advert in like the mid 2010s, uh, which is a Christmas advert. <laughs> they did a Christmas advert and it was on daytime <laughs> television and oh, it's, okay. it's sure, br- sure. it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Mm-hmm. It was it's like a grandson giving his grandfather a, Pornhub premium cards. <laughs> it, was, it was like it was hilarious, but it was really weird. Yeah. Um. And and like I mentioned that for thirty seconds because I was explaining oh, wow. to, to my European viewers about just like Christmas advertising and how it's a mm-hmm. whole thing in the UK and like all the supermarkets are competing for the top advert. It's really weird. Um. Yeah. And that was enough to get me banned indefinitely. Unbelievable under the context of uh, sexual content and adult nudity. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Right. That is ridiculous. Now, to speak to the double standard thing, I see people on that app all the time that are pretty much full-on naked. Oh, yeah, for sure. I saw one time a trend. It stopped now, but it was basically like a girl... How can I put this? Like leaning down towards the camera, you can Mm -hmm. nearly see things. It's implied, and off screen, something is happening, and there's a lot of like action going on, kind of thing. Um, (laughs) Right. I think I think actually they were just pretending, but you can get my point. Like it's obvious what's going on or what's being Mm -hmm. simulated, and apparently that was fine for TikTok. But I post a live stream where I'm (laughs) cooking. And making soup. Unbelievable. And I get banned. Like that happened as well. I got banned for <laughs> temporarily for cooking soup. That is ridiculous. That's like the one of my, I'm still on TikTok, but one of my posts that got banned were because I just made this simple video of a whole bunch of different erotica author book covers that Amazon had approved. TikTok took it down. I'm like, these are yeah. book covers. It is ridiculous. And so they are very, very ridiculous over there but yet you see sexual content all the time and i see that on instagram too i flat out have seen pornography on instagram i think sadly that they treat the bigger accounts differently than the smaller accounts absolutely Mm -hmm. it's it's a business i hate to be captain conspiracy but like at the end of the day Mm -hmm. the more money you make for that like tiktok everyone knows this 
they if you look at who's at the top of the live streams for example it'll be people doing creator battles people make why because they take a massive cut and so it's uh-huh. in their best interests yep. to promote you if you're making a lot of money if you're getting a lot of traction they get more money because they got a cut so of course they're going to be push- lenient Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because because there's rules, and then there's you know that for for all the rest of us, and then there's the rules for the people making the money, and that's yep. the reality. Uh, and all mm-hmm. the platforms are guilty of this, by the way. Not just TikTok. Oh, for sure, hundred percent. Double standards. Double standards. Mm-hmm. I hate it. It's so everywhere. Much. I do too. It's just BS. Like I think I think for example with what you do as well, it's it's the sort of thing where it's it's not like if you had like flat out pornography on say right. TikTok or Instagram or something, then I would say, right. okay, this is not appropriate because there are right. also children Agreed. that use this app. Right. And hundred percent. Yep. Right. And if you want to have that, I mean, this is what platforms like OF are for and only fans. Like share some, share some's another one. Yes. That's right. That, pornography is allowed. Fine. Ex- exactly. But like what you're doing is not all out pornography. It's, it's like, right there's an element of safety there. Like, yeah, it's not appropriate for younger people, but at the same time, mm-hmm. it's not the sort of thing, like if you came across it, it's not going to be like traumatizing. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's right. like, okay, exactly. they shouldn't have had access to this, but it's, it's an audio thing or it's like a, you know, it's, it's writing or something. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, mm-hmm. yes. I don't know. It's, it's very frustrating. Um, I think, these companies just need to have kind of stricter rules on this stuff and, and also be fairer as well with it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Stop having the double standards thing. Exactly. Yeah. Moving it on. Now I've got a bunch of questions for you completely unrelated to today's topics that I ask every guest and okay. I'm very intrigued to get your thoughts, opinions, etc. What's the biggest mistake you've made that you learned a valuable life lesson from? I waited too long to get very serious about my writing career and my, well, I didn't even expect to get into audio, to be honest. It, it, it only happened because people responded to me and said, I like your voice. I went my, most of my life, like I'm, I'm in my forties. I went most of my life, not even knowing anybody liked the sound of my voice. Wow. Until I did put my voice on Twitter in posts and people started to react to my voice. I had no idea anyone liked my voice. So that's one thing. Don't wait. If you want to do something, don't sit around thinking you can't do it. Do I wish I had done it younger. Yeah. No, I, I don't don't wait. <laughs> don't wait, guys. Go out. Start chasing your dreams because you just never know. <laughs> exactly. I never thought I'd be where I am right now. I never in a million years thought I would be doing what I'm doing. <laughs> but I'm, I'm so st- glad I am. I'm still chasing the dream myself, but I see people like yourself doing well. And I'm, I see that as like a source of inspiration. I'm like, ah, oh, mm. this is why I should keep going, you know? Yes, for sure. What's the best advice you've ever received? Don't stop doing, creating what you want. And don't let a negative review kill you. Let it go. Nobody likes everything. You're going to find people who love what you do. And honestly, we tend to focus on the negatives. We might get 300 positive reviews and 
five negative. And we're going to, unfortunately, the way the human brain works, we're like focusing on those five negative. Why don't they like me? Why didn't they like what I created? Let yeah. those roll off your back because people have different motivations for their negative reviews too. Some people are jealous. Some people want to cut you down because they don't like what you're doing. So don't let those negative reviews cage you. Yeah, brilliant Keep advice. Going. What's the biggest life lesson you've learned so far? Be myself. And to not ever not be myself because you're just going to get resentment. You're going to not enjoy your life. You got to be yourself. And I think when I was younger, I tried to be more like what I thought I should be. And I kind of didn't admit to my full self. Be yourself as much as you can. And I know it's harder for younger people, but, the, you know, at my age now, I am to the point, it's, it's kind of a blessing, I must say, to not really care what other people think about you. And I talk mm. to people in their 40s all the time and older who feel the same way. And it's a very common thing in midlife to suddenly realize, I don't care what these people think of me. I want to do what I want to do and I like me. And you have the confidence to do it. Could not agree so more. So be you as young as you can. <laughs> final question for you. Do you have any upcoming projects or final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yes, I have an audio book about to come out. This is a hot wife story that I narrated for the erotica author, Lacey Cross, sharing his adventurous wife. It's the itty bitty vixen. I narrated it with the In My Hands Audio, who is a male voiceover artist. That's about to come out. And I'm working on my swinger book, my audio book, Never Say Never Swing, which I've hired several people to narrate with me. So those are some coming out. And my most recent books, I would say, um, Decadent Erotica is an audiobook that I just released. And the next thing I'm going to write is the final installment of my The Sex Challenges books. That is a heterosexual couple. And they have this full-on day where they're trying to, to get each other to climax all day long. And they have contests and they have games. And so it's a full day of sex challenges. So that's the next thing I'm going to write. And then the, that series of six novellas will be complete. So I'm excited to get that out there too. Yeah, oh, and Neighborhood Sex Secrets. That's my most recent book. That's a really long erotic romance book. So, well, best of luck <laughs> with, with all those releases. I hope they do really well. Thank you. And thank uh, you. yeah, just a massive thank you for appearing on the show and talking about this with us. Yes, thank you for having me. It was so much fun. I had a blast. Thank you so much. And to all the listeners of the Christian Reeve podcast, thank you so much for listening. A quick reminder if you go into the description below, you can find a link to my link tree. You can support the podcast on Patreon, patreon.com slash Christian Reeve, link tree, link tr.ee slash Christian Reeve. Join our Discord as well. Join the community, support the show. And also, a new thing for you, make sure you drop us a review on whichever platform you are watching this on. Podchaser is a really good website for that. It's actually going to become, as I understand, the IMDb of podcasting platforms. So please leave us a review there or on Apple or Spotify, YouTube, wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really helps the show. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, just most importantly, take care of yourselves, be safe, be well, and I'll see you in the next one.